Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Healing Life Wisdom. I'm Tiffany Windsor. I'm Candace Lucioni. Today we would like to talk about updates on topics from past podcasts. Well, Candace, we've been getting a lot of requests for uh, and talking in our circles about what's going on out there in the news. And I'm finding that it seems like we report about something and then all of a sudden in the next two weeks, it's showing up in mainstream news or on my Facebook feed. There's a lot of synchronicities going on at the moment. I'm finding the same thing. We'll just do something that I don't even know much about, and then we'll do a podcast, and then the next week there's a whole bunch of articles in the paper. So we're on to something. Something. Something's going on. (laughs) So in a recent podcast, we talked about the dangers of glyphosate and how it is tragically found in the typical American diet because it's being used on all of our crops except for organic crops. So Roundup's used in the GMO crops that we've talked about and other uses in our food harvesting. And over the past 40-plus years, you've probably used a bottle or two to attack the weeds in your garden. At the time of our podcast, we reported that two juries in California had ruled for the plaintiffs in their cases, and now another jury has awarded $2 billion, as in B, billion dollars to plaintiffs who have suffered with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma after long-term use of Roundup. And Candace, did you know that there's another 13,000 lawsuits that have been filed? I had no idea. It must mean there's a lot of things going on that need to be fixed and somebody's finally um, suing people to get it done. Right. And and this is a very cumulative long-term effect that they're finding for these individuals and couples and such who have used Roundup in their gardens for years and years. What are you hearing from from your side of the world? <laughs> I'm not hearing that much. We did talk about it at the time with people in the shop, and a few people have heard that Roundup's bad, but I don't think they still understand how bad it is. But I did run across something recently that ties into the Roundup issue, um, just an article in the Washington Post titled, Want to fight extinction? Start with your own lawn. It says grass yards are the most irrigated crops and suck up 9 billion, the B word again, gallons <laughs> of water per day. We can help now by saving more water, burning less energy, using fewer pesticides. Lawns are basically biodiversity wastelands, and we put a lot of chemicals on them and kill everything, and that contaminates the soil and leads to runoff in our waterways. And waterway runoff is really big here because I live in the Chesapeake Bay. And so we're, I think there's even laws now that you can't put chemicals on your lawn. And they are doing all kinds of things in the fields, putting tree barriers and things in to try to keep the chemicals out of the water. Um, If you stop killing the weeds in your lawn, you can support hundreds of species on your lawn. Carve out space for milkweed and flowers and herbs that can support numerous species. There's even more reasons to stop using Roundup. It's just so important that everybody understands that we're, we're not only hurting ourselves, the water, and all the animals. Um, and just for a note, the weeds in your lawn are mostly herbs, except for maybe crabgrass, and they just haven't figured out what good crabgrass is good for. But the herbs in the lawn are skin herbs, and they make wonderful salve ingredients. On the East Coast, I think we talked about this yesterday, 
Uh, most people here don't water their lawns because we get enough rain to keep our right. lawns green. And if there's a drought, our lawns can last a long time because they go into hibernation. And as soon as the rain comes, they get green again. I know that doesn't work in California, but it does here. Right. I was right. I was talking to you about that when we were discussing this topic. And in California, especially if you're in a homeowners association, there are rules like you cannot let your grass go brown. Certainly with the drought in the past years, a lot of people have been trying other things like taking out their their grass and putting in drought resistant gardens, but you're you are frowned upon if your grass is not green and so we have such a different perspective of that here and I'm sure that there's tons of chemicals that go into these beautifully manicured lawns that that are hurting besides just us and and uh, the animals who may be eating on your lawn you know there's bees that are being affected by by Roundup and glyphosate as they're putting it onto crops. And, and so it's very sad to see what's happening in that so arena. We'll just keep trying to educate people about not using chemicals at all on your lawn, mm-hmm. but especially um, Roundup. Um, I know there's some natural, more natural weed killers, but I have not actually, um, the ones that are, you know, brand name kind of things. Um, we, we have talked about using other things like um, vinegar, and um, right. dish soap and vinegar and things as um, things to kill weeds. So there are other options. So we we always like to bring up these topics because you may or may not have seen them in your news or in your Facebook social media feeds and such. So the next time that you see it, maybe you'll dig into it a little bit deeper and find out how it's affecting you and your families and your neighborhood. So that's that's our update on glyphosate. The next topic we wanted to come back around to was based on a book review that that you did on a book called Feeding You Lies by Vanny Hari, and its its subtitle is How to Unravel the Food Industry's Playbook and Reclaim Your Health. This is a fabulous, fascinating book, and you have a little bit of an update on that. Um, I actually got Karen, who's... uh a regular listener and a regular in my shop um, who doesn't really read books. She actually borrowed that book. She was interested enough to read it. She hasn't got it back to me yet, but she's finding it really interesting. And she's one of the ones I really practice on as far as food labels because she used to buy food at the dollar store. And we tried to educate her about the ingredients of food from the dollar store. And we've got her not to buy from the dollar store now. But one thing I have trouble with her, she's still reading the front of labels. And people don't understand, you can't read the front label, you have to read the back label, because the front label tells you all kinds of things that aren't necessarily true. Um, So you have to look at the back and see what's actually in the product. Um, I start with people, sometimes they probably think I'm crazy, but, you know, they have a soda or something on the table or a package of cookies or something, and I'll pick it up, I'll read the ingredients to everyone in the store, and then we all start a discussion on how many bad ingredients are in there. So we're slowly, I am one person at a time, trying to get people to understand and read the labels. And I think if I do it publicly like that, everybody there gets an education and uh, will probably now at least look at the back label. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting how the industry has moved to putting on the front of the label um, certain uh, free, uh, paraben-free, gluten-free, but, uh, or the word natural, as we talked about before, but they're, like, focusing on the front what they don't have, but when you take a look at the list of the ingredients on the back, 
there it's not most times it's not good ingredients so they're they're fooling you into thinking that it's healthier than it is and exactly what you said it's so important to read the back full ingredient list and not just go oh well this is gluten free and this is this free and uh, gmo free and which is which is good which is better than nothing yes yes but it's it's um they're deceiving you into thinking that it's a healthier food than it really is. Right. Um, also, I noticed that when somebody in the shop this week said we were reading something, and I said, you have to remember, though, also on a back label, if it has natural products in it and a plant thing, it will have the Latin name of the plant in there. So some people right. look at it and think it's bad because they're reading <laughs> yes. things they can't pronounce. <laughs> right. So I did say to to whoever it was, we read the label, and I said, okay, that's aloe vera, and that's the, the Latin name, and that's whatever the other things were. There were a bunch of natural ingredients. There were bad things in it, too, but it wasn't as many bad things as it looked like because at the very end they did have a lot of natural um, plant extracts or something in it. But um, I do want to say that they, were, they didn't realize that they were looking at Latin plant names, uh, plant names also on top of the chemical names. One of the other things that we reported when we did that episode and posted our blog, which you can find at healinglifewisdom.com, that's very frustrating is that in America, they use different ingredients than they do in other countries. And it, I, don't, I don't know why, except it must be cheaper to put more of these chemical ingredients in than it is to put more of the, the real foods, if, if you can call that real food in cereal. But it's very intriguing that in the U.S., they put a lot more chemicals into the ingredients. And I'm sure that um, they do it in the cosmetics, too, because <laughs> we were going right. to talk about cosmetics also, because I also looked at something as we were doing the cosmetic research, and I read a couple of the natural ones um, that had a lot of good natural things in it. They told you all the wonderful things they had in the ingredients of the cosmetics, and then at the end, when I read the whole label, there was two bad ingredients in. So they were really playing up the fact they had wonderful ingredients, but you still have to be careful because there's two, there's phenoethanol and pheno something else, benzoin or something, that are in almost everything. And a lot of the natural ones still have that in there, so you have to be careful. But um, we wanted to update a little bit on the cosmetic thing. Are we done with the food one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, because I did a, a lot of research after the fact of that one because um, I I wandered into um, CVS the other day with my friend Karen, and we were having a hilarious time checking labels on the cosmetic, and the lady that works there that I know asked me if she could help us, and we said no, and we were laughing, and we were, said we weren't really there to buy something. We were just checking ingredients, and she, she got so serious. She said that is so, so exciting and good. She said she has so many customers that come in that are looking for natural makeup and, and skin care products, and she goes through with them and trying to find the least – hazardous um, makeup and things, and she was the one that told us about EWG, which is Environmental Working Group, um, that has a website that she said you've got to go on because it rates the, the um, skin care and the makeup and all that um, by uh, numbers, like one to nine. One is very low hazard and nine is don't put it on your face <laughs> kind of thing. And so um, I've never seen it. It's a wonderful website. It's um, it gives so much information. Not only does it rank it, it tells you all the ingredients in them. It tells you um, whether it's got allergy, you know, 
ingredients that can cause allergies, um, cancer-causing information. I can't even remember the rest of them. But it's wonderful to go on and check your makeup that you're constantly, I mean, that you're using right now, and then look at the ones with the natural and decide whether you want to uh, continue putting all those terrible chemicals on your on your uh, face. The funny thing, the synchronicity about that one is I'd never heard of the EWG before last week. And I looked in the paper this week, and there was a little blurb on the in the I don't know, celebrity section there that was saying about um, EWG was urging passage of legislation sponsored by Senator Dianne Feinstein and Senator Susan Collins to boost oversight of the cosmetic industry. And there had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, the actress, was um, presenting her case about it. So I thought that was really interesting because I would have never, ever realized you know, or looked at it. EWG didn't mean anything to me then. So this is a wonderful website that we need to... Um, have everybody go look at. So it's ewg.org. The specific sub page on their website <clears throat> for cosmetics is uh, called Skin Deep. And I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of their verification seal on products. It's called EWG Verified. And as of today, they have uh, reviewed 71,000 products. 2,175 brands and only 1,328 have become verified by EWG. So you can look to see if your products are on their list. And when you get a little bit deeper in, it's really helpful because they look, they, they tell you and list each of the products and what the concerns are or not. And so you'll learn, you can become more educated as to, it has a weird name, but what is it, what does it really mean to you? And right. so it's, yes, Candace got me started on this website and they have section for sun, makeup, skincare, hair, nails, fragrance, babies and moms, oral care and men's. And in each of those categories, there's 20 plus subcategories where you can go in and research. So I'm so glad that your friend uh, at the... I also want to mention that some of the things we mentioned on our podcast, we had taken names off of, of for natural products, makeup products off of different websites and and put them on. None of those, I, I believe, were on the EWG list. I didn't see them. Right. Yeah, and I so you did have not to, dig. Yeah. Go, go um, ahead. <laughs> so even the ones we were saying, we didn't really check out that. We just gave the information. And um, they may be on there somewhere. I didn't see them. But I looked through most of the, the low-hazard ones. But the ones that were good, I'd never heard of. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have to go out and look um, for those those different brands and where to buy them because um, the ones that have the EWG um certification I definitely want to look into right as I'm looking through here there's so many I have not these are not all facial but um, rooted beauty purifying facial cleansers silk therapeutics body enrich aunt fanny's think baby uh, olita I haven't I haven't heard of these Right. There is something called Well People, which I, I just discovered at, I believe it was Whole Foods, that one of their products is kind of on this this list that I'm just scanning through. So I have to see which others that they have have certified. Right, yeah. No, it's just a, you could spend probably days on this site. <laughs> well, here's here's interesting. From 2017, it says Walmart pushes companies to get products verified by EWG. So. Wow. <laughs> sounds like they're really going to be able to make a difference because I'll tell you, um, our family was in the craft industry um, 
for over 60 years, and when Walmart tells you that they want you to do something, you have to do it. Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> they are very powerful. Will, right. They are very, very powerful. So I, that, that's good news. So oh, it looks like they have um, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, so definitely going to dig into that one. And thank you so much, Candace, for sharing that, that deeper information, more in-depth, so that we become better educated. Moving on to 5G, in a recent podcast, I reported that the city that I live in supported moving forward with installing 5G cells, uh, cell sites, even though there was no input from local citizens. They moved quickly because the FCC imposes a timeline in which cities have to comply. Because of the short time frame, many cities have been required to forego the lengthier process, of opening the, this process to citizens to air their concerns at council meetings. The first I heard about this in our town was on the front page of my local newspaper after the fact. And so why should we all be concerned about this? Of course, we've heard of 1G. I don't even, I don't even know when they had 1G. 2G, 3G, and 4G use um, means that it's between 1 to 5 gigahertz frequency so keep that number in mind, 1 to 5 gigahertz. 5G uses between 24 to 90 gigahertz frequency. Within the RF radiation portion of the electromagnetic spectrum, the higher the frequency, the more dangerous it is to living organisms. With RF radiation, how close the source is to our physical bodies is more important than the power level or the wattage of the radiation. RF radiation dissipates with distance. In other words, a low-powered exposure right next to someone is more dangerous than a more powerful exposure a long ways away. Also, the longer the exposure time is, the more dangerous it is. 5G will be the worst of both worlds. We will have more sources around us and closer to us, and they will be more powerful and continuous emissions. When we did our podcast, we reported that in like a little town like mine, Thousand Oaks, California, there may be several thousand of these little cell sites because they only broadcast 300 to 500 feet or so. So that means they're going to be every few houses, depending on how compact your neighborhood is. And... It's, it's very uh, concerning to hear this information. And did you know that Switzerland, Italy, France, Austria, Luxembourg, Bulgaria, Poland, Hungary, Israel, Russia, and China have set RF exposure limits 100 to 1,000, excuse me, 10,000. So exposure limits 100 to 10,000 times less than the United States. They recognize that there can be non-thermal biological effects from wireless radiation. In response to an outcry from local citizens in my town, there was a website that was started by the city, which offers more information, but I wish they would have fought this like other countries and other cities. Candace, are you hearing much about 5G in your neighborhood? We are hearing nothing about 5G here. Um, people know about, I mean, the word 5G and they think it's good because they have heard nothing except that, you know, it's the next level of Internet, and that all sounds good to them. 
Um, they're not aware at all. That's not good for us. Um, I, I did another synchronicity the other night. I couldn't sleep, and so I turned on TV and watched The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and they did a, a, a segment that wasn't funny on 5G from the angle of China versus the U.S., in, and the word they used is a war over who was going to get 5G first, um, because whoever gets 5G first wins the war <laughs> of um, you know, uh. China versus the United States as far as influence in the, the world, and it was about the gross national product, too, of um, money. It was about money. But they didn't say anything about, you know, 5G being harmful to humans or anything. It was just about that we're in a race with this China and the U.S., which we're having issues with anyway. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because that was the only thing I've seen recently about 5G here um, was that particular thing. Um, I also saw on spaceweather.com that SpaceX had lost, launched 60 satellites at one time um, sometime this week as part of a huge plan to connect all the Earth to the Internet. And Tiffany, I think you told me that there were going to be 20,000 satellites eventually in the sky. Um, yes, I, I read that in, the Internet. in right in one of my feeds that this whole grid system, uh, they, they said 20,000. Now, I don't know over how many years, but that can't be good. Well, I, I thought it was impossible to do, to do 60 satellites at one time. And they right, showed a picture right. on Space Weather of the, them all lined up in the sky as they launched them. It was like, wow, and I never heard a thing about it. Yes, that's why we have to keep our eyes and ears open through all of our different news sources to see what's going on. There is a, a website that had uh, called emfsafetynetwork.org. They have a page that's titled How to Oppose Small Cell 5G Towers. So if you find that you're, you're reading in your town that they're considering it, you should go to this website, EMF is in Frank, and you should read about this. They have great recommendations that I wish I would have known about that tells you how to go to your council meetings and how to speak up and how to become educated so that you can and read for yourself and decide if you think this is a good thing or a bad thing for your neighborhood. I personally don't want it in my neighborhood. I can't I can't fight it at the the beginning levels because the FCC requires the reason that this gets pushed through is the FCC requires the cities to ad adopt I don't know if it's an ordinance, some sort of law uh, within 90 days and that doesn't give enough time for their normal noticing for council hearings and people coming in to speak and, and such. So they found a way to pass a law that's at a higher level, at the federal level, in order to force these cities to to force this through. So we've been pushed into something that we have not had rights to talk about. And that's really interesting. I hope everybody goes on, does the, the research themselves and then goes on that different websites and checks out all this information so they'll be sure they know what's going on. Right. So, Candace, we talked about natural alternatives to antibiotics recently, and you have an update on that. Um, I just noticed that um, Michelle, who's one of our regular listeners and comes in the shop all the time, and was said she binge-watched our podcast because she used to listen to them on her way to work in the car, but she hadn't been working for a couple of weeks. And Michelle, who's 
is very stubborn about things natural and whatever, and we've been working with her because she has major illnesses. Um, she was absolutely fascinated with the um, podcast on natural antibiotics because I don't think anybody had ever told her there were natural antibiotics. So she thought that was amazing. And we keep trying to work with people because we're a, a bunch of pill takers and we'll take just about anything offered by the medical system. And most people are unaware that there are natural options that really work with both antibiotics and other medications. And um, we did the thing on natural antibiotics because, you know, we're overusing antibiotics and they really aren't working anymore. And one of these days we're going to have to rely on them pretty much all the time. So just wanted to uh, put that out that you, you don't know much about antibiotics and look at our podcast because of lots of wonderful alternatives to antibiotic. Moving on to fluoride, this was something that I remember you telling me, I don't know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it's probably when you were doing your herbal studies about how bad fluoride was for us, and I was not educated at that time. And I was so surprised to hear over a conversation at lunch with a group of, of business people, a group of co-workers, and the discussion came up about how several of the adults were taking fluoride treatments, and I just, my jaw dropped. Somehow they were talking about going to the dentist that morning, and something something came up about fluoride treatments, and I was, I just was stunned. I, I assumed that they were only pushing fluoride treatments for kids, but I had no idea they were pushing fluoride treatments for adults, and, and I just thought, I, I just can't believe how... If somebody who I guess who only follows mainstream news, it's not talked about, and and they had no, they just have no idea. I just, <laughs> I got one little sense of, sentence out and just saying, do you realize how dangerous fluoride is and how bad it is for your body? And that was it. And everybody kind of grew silent for a moment, and then they all went back to their conversation. So I I, I don't I was stunned, and I just hope everybody understands that fluoride is is not we're not getting better results um, having fluoride treatments than non-fluoridated countries. Fluoride's the only medicine added to public water. doesn't even make sense. Um, it provides a little benefit to your teeth. That We have a blog post on our website at healinglifewisdom.com that just touches on the basics but gives you lots of links to, so that you understand that you do not need to add fluoride to toothpaste or water or anything. I just wanted to add to that is that you are allowed to, to tell your dentist no, too, because a lot of people feel right. they must follow the, the dentist recommendations, and the dentists yeah. are, you know, are not educated, I guess, on fluoride and the, and the bad things that, um, that we see on, in it. So um, I think you can just um, do, the, do the research yourself, and then if, you know, if your dentist asks you, you can say no. It's, it's okay. Well, and it may be that maybe dentists are getting the same sort of things that medical doctors get, which are kickbacks. They get paid for using products. So I don't know, but, oh, I was just, I was, I was beyond stunned. So do your research, and we encourage you to take a look at that. And, and especially when you start getting some of the symptoms that all of these things uh, are reported to, to, to cause. So um, read about fluoride and, See if you want to eliminate it from from your life. Um, another conversation I we've had before that we did a, a post on and a podcast on was about dryer sheets and went into a family member's house the other day and 
in their laundry room brand new box of um, brand name uh, dryer sheets, and I, I couldn't breathe. I can't breathe when I'm around those those chemicals. And I are you running into anyone who's understanding, Candace, that that those dryer sheets are not good for you? No. I have a, uh, the air fresheners. They seem to understand a little bit that they're not good for you, but the dryer sheets they don't seem to understand. And I think in our podcast, uh, the the dryer sheets were worse than the air fresheners, and the air fresheners mm-hmm. are really bad. But I think the dryer sheets were like a top chemical um, pollutant kind of thing. And when you have all those chemical um, synthetic chemicals, it just kills your sense of smell. Um, we talked about like you can smell at the moment you go into somebody's house, and they can't. They've actually ruined their nose their sense of smell uh, by those chemicals. Wow. Never so even thinking, thought about that. What's wrong with that. us, you know? Why are you overreacting? But we can really smell the chemicals the moment you, you run into them. In fact, I ran into, uh, I bought by mistake a bag of garbage bags that had some kind of chemical <sighs> thing to keep the scent right. out. <gasps> right. It's, My husband it's, couldn't smell it. Now, that we don't use air conditioning, I mean, air fresheners and dryer sheets and anything. I said, what is that awful smell? And he kept saying, I don't smell it. Took me a long time. I found the garbage bags. It was horrible. But again, I, I say, how can you not smell that? <laughs> right. Oh, and it's hard to find those bags that are unscented these days. Yeah. They're on the shelves with you know lavender and vanilla and Mountain Spring, yeah. and they're they're definitely um, not good for you. And dryer sheets too. You you know they're on your your. The sheets that on your bed, they're on your clothes, they're on your yeah. towels. They they attach themselves to everything, and it's you know you can pick natural uh, ways to scent your home with essential oils, and it, there's uh, it, there's other options that are much much healthier. Yeah. So stop using yeah. those dryer sheets. Next up, essential oils. I have um, a little update, and I know you do also. I was so happy. I've been working with my grandniece to uh, bring essential oils into her life and her wellness, and she picked up a, a really bad cold the uh, a few weeks ago. And um, our sister, her grandmother, had her steam because that's what we did—you know, the hot steam when we were kids—and and on her own, she realized that she could add the DoTerra On Guard into the steamer. To, to help and I was like yes yes she's she's learning on her own and I, it was a very proud auntie moment for me <laughs> and and you've um, have an interesting essential oil story um, oh I do but I, I was going to do um, before that like most people don't realize they don't use the vaporizers and steamers anymore and what a great tool they are right. especially for child, small children mother used them forever and we never took anything and that you know so a half an hour under a a vaporizer tent Mm -hmm. um, will clear up all a lot of the um, cold and flu symptoms Um, I also have a wonderful article that we're we're going to put on the blog post Um, it's entitled mucus maybe it's time to show it some love (laughs) so informative it's it it's an article out of the Washington Post and it's just telling you about mucus and how wonderful it is for um, for you and your, your body and why you have to look at it differently because everybody's just like, oh, you know, mucus, mucus, mucus. It's, it goes on for almost a page, so um, please go on our um, blog um, post and see the um, mucus because 
um, you you can't look at mucus the same after you read how uh, antiseptic it is, and what it does for your immune system. As it, it's the first thing of, of immune stuff. Stuff comes in your nose, you know, microbes and bacteria and stuff. Um, it's a wonderful thing. So I figured it was steaming, and I think you said Savannah couldn't believe that there was so much mucus to come out of right, and, one's nose. And the, and the color it was, and uh, you know, too much information. But yes, it was it was disturbing oh. to her, and I and I celebrated, and I said, "Oh my gosh, your body's doing its job. It's working, and and um, it, and it's protecting you." But she didn't look at it that way. No, so. and it, it does here talk about the colors and everything, and we have a, a wrong impression of the colors, and because of the first color, um, I'm trying to look at here. Um, well, it says green, white, yellow, orange, and brown. And white is, is dead white blood cells. And green does not mean you need an antibiotic. And orange and brown actually comes from dried blood within your nose from inflamed tissues. So the colors don't mean what you've been told they mean. Right. <laughs> so it's very helpful. Um, and everybody should go look at that because it, it, it's, it's fun, but it's also amazing that we don't, uh, you know, at, at all this point in our life, we don't know anything about mucus. Right. We will, we will put up a blog post about mucus yeah. so that <laughs> we'll give you more details on that. Oh, and then I also wanted to say um, I had a phone call at the shop, um, and the lady had called. She'd been on the Internet, and she wanted to know what I, oh, what, what I had to offer as far as um, essential oils for Tourette's syndrome. And she had already gone and done her research, and she said she had used a diffuser with her son who was somewhere between 5th, 6th, or 7th grade. And she'd used lavender and lemon oil in a diffuser, and it really worked on his anxiety, especially when he went to bed. What she was interested in was um, asking about other ways to deliver essential oils that can't carry a diffuser around, especially for a, a young um, boy. So um, we have inhalers, we have um, roll-on bottles, and there's misters and things, but I thought it was a really interesting thing because I never thought about uh, essential oils for Tourette's, and she said it really, really works. Um, He has the kind of um, anxiety before like a baseball game or going to a situation that he's not used to or something. He said his Tourette's is better, but he does have flare-ups of the anxiety and that um, the... um, Lavender and the lemongrass really worked. So she didn't come in yet because she lives a bit away, but she's going to come in and we're going to make up a, you know, a nasal inhaler and a roll-on to see if that can help him because he can carry it in his pocket mm-hmm. and just kind of sniff it before an event like a baseball game, and um, it should really help him because uh, you can't be dragging your diffuser to the baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cannot wait until I, I get an update on that. I have a diffuser in my office and it's so much fun to see people come in and it's like, what is that? Or, oh, I've always wanted one and asking questions. So it's really cool that this mom has uh, invited this into her home for some natural support for him and is realizing that uh, she to reach out to, to you to be able to find other ways to deliver these essential oils. Yeah, I was very interested in uh I can't wait till she comes in so we can uh, play around with some stuff and see if it works for him. Or and she said, I don't know if he'll he'll be comfortable carrying this pocket. I said, Well, that should be easy. It's not. It's tiny, so right. it should be uh, should be great. So we'll look forward to that. Good. Yeah, looking forward to that update on that. We did a a post and a podcast on middle of the night wake up calls, and they appear for us each of us in so many different ways. And I had a really interesting wake up call about a month ago where sound asleep laying on my side and I was awakened with the feeling of being punched in my stomach, my solar plexus. 
And when I went to go lay, turn myself over on my back, vertigo just overwhelmed me. And I've never had that before. I'm not one to have headaches. I don't. I, I have very rarely have colds. And I was stunned of what it felt like. And, and you and our other sister have ha- experienced vertigo for many, many years, right? Yes, we have. Um, ours comes from a different source. Right. So w- I, I do want to talk about that. But it was certainly very concerning to me because I, I you know, I hear other people, I hear you and Heidi talking about it, but until I experienced it myself to understand, this is really debilitating. And it's like, how, what happens if I can't drive? What happens if I can't do this and do that? So I was able to fall back asleep got up the next morning, did a little bit of research. There is an an exercise that you can do where you get down on all fours and you turn your head in a certain way. And and then I also saw you can actually just press right on your third eye. So the next time during during the day, because it came up a lot that day, I just kept pressing on my third eye and it relieved it in about five seconds. So I, I dealt with that for about a week, and, and I was not feeling well at all. And so I went to visit my my friend who's the uh, Chinese medicine, and he looked at my tongue, and he said, uh, he says, your blood is so depleted. What are you doing? What is, what's going on? I said, ah, I've been cleansing. I've been juicing. And he said, stop right now. And it's like, wait, no, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I. I love eating that way, but I tell you, I, I did it again where I just, I deplete myself. And so, you know, we read about and we talk about the celery juice and, and such, and I um, overdid it to the point where I, I was over cleansed. And so he, he gave me some suggestions of blackstrap molasses to get some iron back in. He said, you've got to eat protein. And I always struggle with that, with um, animal protein. And uh, he recommended uh, something for the vertigo in Chinese medicine and it took about two weeks and I feel great. And I look back to that point and realized I was, there was no life force left in me. So uh, for me, he said, your blood pressure is really low. And so for me, it's different. Now you experience vertigo because you are so totally in tune with, with solar flares. Solar flares. Yeah. Well, I, I had, vertigo for like 20 years and I went everywhere and kept saying you know well no there's nothing we can't find anything wrong with you and so I finally changed my attitude towards it at some point and just decided it wasn't a medical thing anymore I was just going to look at it differently and it did lessen up but I did say one time to somebody you know I have these these um, symptoms and vertigo is one of them and he's some guy and he said to me have you ever looked into solar flares and geomagnetic storms and coronal mass injections ejections off the sun and I said no <laughs> and he said well look into it because your um, symptoms are like a, you're sensitive to the energy from the sun so now I'm crazy about all this and, and always telling everybody about what's going on in the sun because it does affect each and every one of us but um, some people are very sensitive to the sun energy um, the solar flares the geomagnetic and they can feel it in their bodies and um I can feel it hits my solar plexus, and then it makes me have vertigo. But now I know it's those kind of energies, and those energies are, I won't say they're getting worse, but they're affecting us more and more. And the sun sends all kinds of things down to us, and most of it is filtered by the Earth's atmosphere, but a lot of it, some of it gets through. 
And so some of us are really, like my, my sister Heidi and I, are very sensitive to the sense, the um, energies coming from the sun. So if you're ever interested in that, um, there's all kinds of interesting information on spaceweather.com about what's going on in the sky all, every day, um, all kinds of things. There's, there's solar wind, there's solar flares, there's um, mag geomagnetic storms. And geomagnetic storms really affect the Earth and um, the satellites and our GPS and things. So it's, it's a, a real thing. And it does cause vertigo in some people or, or some kinds of dizziness. So um, just be aware that there's a lot of things to do with vertigo um, that are not necessarily a physical um, medical thing. Well, and next time it happens, try the pushing on your third eye. Let me know how that works for you. Don't know. Okay, and also that thing you said about the exercise where you kind of roll over like tumbling. Right. Um, my husband tried that, and it really worked for him. So that one does work, and um, it's kind of like a tumbling move that you right. go over and roll over and then turn your head one way, and uh, right. um, it, it's always helped him. So there's all kinds of, of help for vertigo. You just have to figure out which type of vertigo you have, because there's also a viral vertigo that uh, some mm -hmm. people have that's very debilitating, and uh, uh, so you have to deal with it differently, but there's all kinds of different ways to deal with it, so it's one to share some of those. Well... I, I definitely did not plan on this this episode lasting as long as it has, so I, I appreciate everybody um, sticking with us and letting us talk about We get so excited about about when we hear other people who are trying things or, or information popping up in our news feeds, and I do want to invite everyone to go to HealingLifeWisdom.com and click on our blog archives, and you can find posts that Candace and I write on all of the topics that we talk about. And you can, there's on-demand podcasts that you can listen to just like this one. You can follow us on Twitter at Healing Life 444 or Facebook at Healing Life Wisdom. It's so important that we keep the discussion going, and you need to talk to your friends and family just like we do. Um, this, this podcast came about because Candace and I would talk every week about what was going on in our lives, and we kept saying, you know what, we need to share what's going on in our path to wellness and so this has been a journey that we've decided to to bring out to to all of you and Candace. I'm so always so delighted that that we're on this path together. Well, we have to be talking because I just through my shop. I just see most people have no idea what's going on, and they don't have any idea what's going on medically or in in the world. And so as we talk about it, we educate ourselves and them and and on the natural healing and whatever. There's people that, you know, people come into the shop and they're just like, oh, I did this and I did this and it worked. And then you, mm -hmm. you know, get another person headed in a different direction away from the medical system or things that aren't working for them. So it's a very right. big, important thing that we share all this information. Right. So we're, um, we're going to sign off and thank everyone for joining us today. And I, um, b before I have you say goodbye, it's kind of funny because um, anyone who's been listening to our podcast, you notice that I changed the intro and Candace is introducing herself and I'm going to have her say goodbye. But when, when we did our run through, I said, wait, I call you Candace Leachione. <laughs> and, and when she signs off, what do you say? I'm Candace Leachione. <laughs> and I went, wait. So apparently it's your husband that taught me how to say your last name because he says it Licione. Well, according <laughs> to me, he introduced himself as Licione, but he calls himself Licione. So, <laughs> it's so, just, so either way you say it, she responds to it. I'll answer to both, yes. <laughs> okay, so we're going to sign off, and you get to say how it, however you want. I'm Tiffany Windsor. And I'm Candace Licione. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is Healing Life Wisdom. Have a fabulous, joyful, and healthy week, and thanks for listening. Everybody take care. Bye, Candace. Bye, Tiffany.